Coming to you on some serious tape delay via a podcast near you. From that hockey hotbed of San Jose, California, it's Dudes on Hockey. He is now accepting callers. He is calling me Dude. And now your hosts, Mike and Doug. Hey there and welcome to the Dudes on Hockey podcast. I'm Mike, that's Doug. It's the all-star break, dude. Dude, it is. We're over halfway done with the season, dude. Halfway done with our season of podcasting, although we podcast year-round. Yes, we do. To those new listeners. But here we are at the all-star break, dude. And for the Dudes on Hockey podcast draft, dude, with the first pick, Mm -hmm. I select you. Yeah? Me to do what? You're on my team. Oh, sweet. Thanks, dude. I select you first as well. Well, you can't select me first. Why? Because I picked first. Well, then who do I pick? Me. I get picked second. So you know what that means? No, I have no idea. I get a car. (laughs) You get a car. Have you heard this, dude? So you know that the the fantasy draft is the all-stars are drafting each other, right? They've done this before. Right, right, right. And whoever is the last pick, Uh which has happened to Logan Couture. Yeah, I was going to say, wasn't Logan Couture the last pick? They get a car. If you're the last? You're last, you get a car. And Couture gave it to his brother, apparently. Okay. So um, what I want someone to do, I like. I want Burns to sit there with a sign around his neck that says, in it for the car. Or like, <laughs> yeah. don't pick me, you know, we'll, we'll skate for car or something like that. Who's going to be the last pick or who do you want to see be the last pick, dude? Oh, man, I... I mean, Brent Burns would be obviously a great story. <laughs> He's not going to be the last pick. I know, but that would be really funny. It's going to be a forward. It won't be a defenseman. Yeah, it'll be probably one of those guys that no one's ever heard of. You know, it's like Vladimir Tarasenko. Only hockey fans have heard of him. Uh, that would be funny. It'd be funny if like, who? let's look up the all-star rosters here, dude. We're, we're clearly very prepared for today's episode. We've got a bunch of games to talk about. We got five games. Yep. On the last podcast, we said the Sharks needed to get seven points out of eight against those four poor teams. They got five. Right. So we're excited to talk about that. But let's look at the uh, let's look at the All Stars here. So I think. Well, I. I How about Jurgensen's? Yeah, Zegmas Jurgensen's, who like the whole country of Latvia voted for him, and oh, he was like number oh, one. I've got it. I know who the last pick's gonna be. Come uh, on. Okay, let's keep looking. I'm looking. Oh, oh, okay. There's two very, very distinct possible choices. Oh, oh, yes, dude. <laughs> okay, all right. Oh, oh, it's a lock. It's a lock. We got to look at the D. No, it's not. Okay, dude, come on. Who's the last pick? Look at that. It's got to be um, Phil Kessel. No, it's Patrick Eliosh. <laughs> Patrick Eliosh, dude. That's easy. But Patrick Eliosh has been in the league for like 20 years. No Doesn't one matter. likes Phil Kessel. <laughs> but hasn't Phil Kessel already been the last pick once? Probably. That's He's probably going to be it again. Nobody no. likes that guy. No. <laughs> I th- I don't think it has anything to do with ability. It's just who does they who do they like? You know, it's like some of these guys are nice guys. How about the Nuge? I I think people like the Nuge. Why wouldn't they like the Nuge? So this is going to be a popularity contest. Of course. That's what all that's They're not all. trying to win. You're telling me they're not trying to win at the All-Star game, dude? That's exactly what I'm Who's going to lay down and block a shot? How long have you been watching hockey? Dude? Phil Kessel's going to block a shot, dude. Why Why start now? He's going to block a shot <laughs> at the All-Star game. Okay. Sure. Let's see. Let's see. see our, our defensemen, Ekman, Larson, Suter, Weber, Giordano, Falk, Burns, Shattenkirk, Ekblad, Doughty, Bufflin. I mean, there's no way Burns is the last one taken of those folks. There's Probably no not. shot. No. Yeah. No way. But like Unless I people said, are I, scared of him. It's, it's going to be funny. I mean, remember like the Eric, do you remember the Eric Stahl, Mark Stahl controversy that one year? Didn't he not take him? Yeah. Like, he kept not taking his brother. Like, Eric Stahl was the captain of the All-Star team or whatever. Right. And then he kept not choosing Mark Stahl, who's his brother and works and, and obviously plays in the same conference. So, he was available. <laughs> that was funny. That's really funny. I thought that was good. And, like, every time he's like, and... And they, like, point to somebody yeah. else. <laughs> but that's hilarious. I mean, and that's, I take RJ Umberger. That's what you want. Yeah. I think the draft is being held tonight. Oh, I think so, dude. So I think I might have to watch that because that that's dude. honestly yeah. going to be a lot more entertaining than the game. Oh, yeah. There's no doubt about that. Yeah. Anyways, dude, uh, Sharks have played five games. Mm-hmm. We've got some injury news. We've got some big news about the Sharks minor league team yeah. relocating all the way across the country. And then, of course, at the halfway point, dude, it's only fitting 
We talk about what's to come in the second half, dude. But let's look back yep. on some of these games. Right. So we have Arizona in in order. We have Arizona, Toronto, Calgary, New Jersey, and L.A. Only Arizona was on the road. Uh, so Arizona and Toronto, they started against the four not-so-good teams with two wins. Do you have anything important to say about these wins against Arizona and Toronto, dude? Not really. Yeah. I mean, you know, Arizona, they had to come back to win that game. But, you know, it, it's a solid win on the road. It doesn't really matter how you do it. You got to win on the road, and they got it. And the Toronto game, the Maple Leafs are really struggling. And that game was, I think, a lot closer than 3-1. to one. You know, it was pretty... Well, 42-25 as yeah, far as shots go. Dude. I know, dude. But, I mean, watching that game, I felt like it was, I don't know, Maybe I'm having uh, distorted memories yeah. of, of the game, but uh, I didn't feel like the Sharks ran away with that game, at least from my memory. The Calgary game, dude, uh, 4-3 overtime loss. Thoughts? Well, didn't well, they went down fast to Calgary, right? So that was like really disappointing. I mean, <laughs> they like gave up a goal in like 40 seconds or something, and then they gave up another goal. Like eight minutes in, they were down 2 nothing. The fact that they could actually come back and tie it, which they did actually in the second period. So the first period was all Calgary. The Sharks looked like they had forgotten. I think it was actually a 7 o'clock start. It looked like the Sharks actually forgot that the game was going on. They were waiting an extra half hour. And then they came out in the second period and tied it. So it was it was good as far as that goes. And then it and then it got knotted up at 3 and, and lost in overtime. So... You know, Calgary seemed more dangerous early in the year, but I think it's kind of the same team. It's a fast team, definitely. I mean, the Sharks were victimized several times by the fact that Calgary has a younger, faster sort of team dynamic than the Sharks do. And, you know, this is just yet another one of those games where the Sharks kind of couldn't put it all together to win, even against a not very good opponent. I mean, Calgary's been on a huge slide after a monster start. And... Part of it was predictable based on some of their more advanced stats. If you looked at some of those earlier in the season, they were winning a lot of games yet not dominating possession, which, as most people will tell you, is hard to maintain. This is a team that's still very much alive for the playoffs. You know, I think that they would be in the playoffs as a wild card team right now if the season ended. So uh, this is a game, you know, the Sharks need to win this game. I mean, yeah. this is a team they're going to be fighting with at the end of the year for a playoff spot, and they seem to keep dropping points to them. You know, they keep dropping points to teams like Calgary that they're going to be in the mix with. You know, they keep dropping points to, you know, Winnipeg, right? New Jersey. New Jersey, dude. New Jersey, who uh, talk about a team that's struggling. Yeah, they're just struggling. Struggling, as, struggling. as Joe Namath would yes. say. Um, that team is just flat out balls they're just I mean, they're, they're just terrible bad. they're bad and the sharks for a team that has just got a terrible goal differential minus 27 only 107 goals scored it's the i think the fourth worst in the nhl just above those juggernauts buffalo carolina arizona you know yeah they gave up five goals to those guys so yeah. That's not good. No. And unfortunately, it was Alex Stalock and Net. I which know. doesn't really help our bandwagon to get Stalock more playing time. The Sharks also sustained two pretty significant injuries in that game. Oh, yeah. Tommy Wingles and uh, Justin Braun are going to be out for quote-unquote weeks. Yeah. Weeks. And uh, McClellan came out after the game and questioned the team's desire and drive to win. Which I felt like I've heard that before, dude. Yep. Have you heard that one? I have. In fact, <laughs> amazingly, yes. And the Sharks respond with what I expected to be a total clunker at home yeah. against the LA Kings. And they win 4-2. to two. Yeah. So without <laughs> a top four defenseman, without a top six forward, they then play the defending champions and win. Like, going away. Yeah. Pretty convincingly, right? Yeah. So... <laughs> Needless to say, no one has any idea what's going on with this team. <laughs> it is impossible to predict what's going on with this team. But if we want to put some sort of spin on that game, LA is two, three, and five in their last ten. They are they've lost four straight now. LA is a terrible homestand. They're, they're in a they're in a tailspin. Bad, bad. What's uh, what's wrong with LA? After watching this game, dude, tell me what you think is wrong 
with LA. I mean, this is the team that won the Stanley Cup a year ago and basically did not change any significant personnel. Well, they've got some injury problems, dude. Yeah. I mean, they, you know, I think Pearson's out, Toffoli's out, or I don't know if Toffoli played in that game, but he'd been out. Uh, Pearson broke his leg, right? right. He's out. Um, and there's something to be said, I think, for something the Sharks have never experienced, which is called the cup hangover, mm-hmm. right? It's got to be for a team like the Kings that went through such an emotional ride last year is uh, playing in January might just be boring. Yeah. And, and <laughs> right. I, I don't know how else to explain it. I think that we see that a little bit going on in Chicago, too, where, you know, you hear people talk about the Blackhawks like they're the best team in the NHL and they don't have the best overall record. But I still think at the end, are they better than Nashville? I take Chicago 10 out of 10 if I had to pick. Yeah. You know, against against the Preds, especially in June. So, right, right. But in January, maybe they're not in it every night. Now, I mean, L.A. might have bigger problems than that. I mean, they, they're down Willie Mitchell. They're down Slava Voinov. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. So I, I, I feel like I'm, you know, playing the defense attorney for the L.A. Kings. Yeah. But, dude, there's I just don't buy that they're not going to be around in April. I yeah. I, I don't buy it. I do not think that they will not make the playoffs. I that stand would be by very with, surprising. With what we said a couple weeks ago, I think, which is that's the worst draw for whoever draws them in the first round. That's automatically the worst draw. If you get the Kings in the first round, no team is going to look at that matchup and think, "Oh, I got this." No, <laughs> because they beat the very best in the NHL last year. They beat Chicago on the way. They beat L.A. on the way. Or, I mean, they beat um, St. Louis on the way. They beat everybody on the way to the Cup last year. So, you know, L.A. can never be counted out until they're literally out of the playoffs, which I think technically they are at the moment. They are by a point. So uh, that was a big win last night for the Sharks. I mean, if they had lost that game, uh, they would have been, you know, potentially slid down to a wild card spot. And now going into the All-Star break, they're in second. In the Pacific, they're also only four points away from not being in the playoffs at all. But mm-hmm. they are in second, dude. Uh, but if you look at the overall standings, the thing that kind of gives you pause is of any playoff team right now, if the standings end, they're the only one with negative goal differential. That's true. The only one. And it's minus one. They're so close. I think so. But I th- they are the only ones, dude. And, and that is, uh, that's discouraging. That is not a good stat. Certainly not. Okay. And uh, you hope the Sharks can turn that around after the All-Star break. And Ke- we got an email to this effect. Kevin emailed us and, and uh, from Santa Clara said, you know, any concern, my opinion ain't good. <laughs> uh, has any team ever been in the negatives come playoff time and won the Stanley Cup? Kevin asks. Um, I don't I don't actually know the answer to that question. but uh, Make one up. <laughs> let's say no. Oh. I don't think so. Um, you know, there's been eight seeds that have gotten to the cup. Not too many eight seeds have won the cup. You need to be a seven or eight seed in order to win the thing. I'm pretty sure LA wasn't negative last year. Uh, I, I don't think that's happened. And it's and it's very it's very interesting because, you know, you look at some of these other teams that the Sharks are, you know, the other teams in the Paci- in the Pacific, you know, Vancouver's behind the Sharks right now. They haven't had a great last 10 games, but they're still plus 10 overall. Calgary, obviously, we said they've been sliding, but they're still plus 11. It seems like the Sharks are kind of getting blown out. If I had to put something on it, it's... I don't know what the Sharks' record in one-goal games is, which would be interesting. I wish I had that stat in front of me. But uh, it seems like they get blown out. Like, you know, they got blown out 7-2 to twice recently. They got 5-2. Five 5-2 to, two. Five to, two to 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 uh, New Jersey. Go big or go home, dude. It doesn't, if you're going to lose, lose big. It doesn't bode doesn't well. Matter. It doesn't matter, dude. But it doesn't bode well. I, you know, I, I certainly think that uh, you know this team is closer to a 500 team than a juggernaut at this point. You can't dispute that, dude. I mean, like that's 100 percent accurate. I mean, this the Sharks are not a juggernaut. They are, you know, fortunate to be in the position that they're in, and I think a lot of that has to do with the apparent parity in the Pacific Division below the Anaheim Ducks. You know, th- there seems to be a bit of a logjam after the Ducks. Everybody else is kind of, except for Arizona and Edmonton, you've got four teams that are kind of milling around for three spots, apparently. Mm-hmm. You know, well, right now it would only be, yeah, it would be three spots. So, um, 
It'll be interesting to see how it shakes out, dude. I mean, it, you could easily feel good about the Sharks being the second team, or you could easily see the Sharks not finishing in the playoffs at all. Right. And and how much is are is the Wingles and Braun injury going to hurt this team long term? They seem to be able to get over it for a night, mm-hmm. but can they sustain the loss of these two players over the period of quote unquote weeks? I'm I'm certainly more worried about the D for whatever reason than the offense because I look at the lineup and you see Tennyson, Irwin, and Hannon in the lineup every night. That gives me pause. Sure. <laughs> you can't you can't look at that and go like, Yeah <laughs> That's what we're doing. But I guess if we're looking at it from a different perspective, again, you know, with the of course the goal of the franchise is to win the Stanley Cup. But the realistic goal of this franchise by the statements of the general manager is to rebuild the lineup. So seeing Tennyson play regularly and mm-hmm. Irwin because you have no choice is going to tell you something about their development as players for a team that doesn't exactly have a cup runneth over of young talent. So are we going to learn something? Are we going to learn how bad these guys are? Are we going to learn that like against LA, they held down the fort. Now LA is struggling. Yeah. Yeah. But they still held down the fort, dude. Those guys didn't play bad on Wednesday night. They did not. Well, we're going to find out soon enough because the sharks are starting out after the all-star break, uh, at home against Anaheim and Chicago. Two wins. (laughs) (laughs) Well, sort of along those lines, we got a question from Tom, actually, and he says, if the Sharks find themselves clearly out of a playoff spot come trade deadline time, don't you think it's possible that Jumbo and Marlow could be persuaded to waive their no-trade clauses? I think if faced with finishing out their last two years in San Jose and not making the playoffs, I have to think they wouldn't want to waste those years not competing for a cup. I still believe Doug Wilson wants to move one or both. I don't understand how getting bounced in the first round and getting yet another low first round pick helps this team. It doesn't, quite frankly. And at this rate, if we make the playoffs, that's pretty likely. I hate to admit it, but I'm rooting for this team to miss. The notion of potentially getting a top 15 pick and trading capable veterans for prospects or even more picks in a stacked draft is, in my opinion, the ideal scenario. Do you agree and weigh in with Tom? Is there a part of you that wants the Sharks to miss the playoffs this year? Yes. How big of a part? 40%. Yeah, yeah. And and I feel... Like a Benedict Arnold. Yeah, it, yeah. You, you know, feel kind of like but, a bad fan. But I think Tom really put this perfectly. I mean, it, it, he's right. Mm-hmm. If the Sharks are going to rebuild, how can they possibly do that if they're drafting 20th? Right. Like, I, I don't see. How can they can. do that? Of course, you know, you look at the historical drafts. There's always great players that are drafted after 20th, right? It happens all the Shea Weber, you know, all these guys. But the thing is, if you want a slam dunk, no no question about it, NHL player, you got to draft in the top five. Now, the Sharks are obviously not going to draft in the top five next year, but if you look at historically these teams that do win the Stanley Cup, they've all gotten these top five guys, like, say, Drew Doughty, like Patrick Kane, like, you know, Jonathan Taves. So, you know, you certainly got to get a little bit higher to that top five region than 20, because 20 is still a crapshoot, and there's so many, you know, history's riddled with guys that were drafted in, you know, 20 to 25 that never even played a game in the NHL. So, you know, I, I, I agree with Tom. Now here's the thing. Let's what, what about Tom's first proposition, which is, is it possible that 19 or 12 could get traded if the sharks are looking bad and they're looking at, and they're on the outside looking in and, you know, given say these injuries or maybe even more pile up or what have you, you know, they trade Niemi and Stalock is playing poorly. Would they, you think they would want out? Not right now. I, that's yeah. just my opinion based on how everything's going right now. I, I don't think the Sharks will fall far enough out of it for it to be a situation where they're going to say, okay, I'm ready. Uh, this is what I think, dude. And I kind of, I, I, when I saw this email, I, I thought about it quite a bit. And Tom, this is what I think could happen. This could happen. Say the Sharks make the playoffs and lose in the first round, or they don't make it at all. Right. 
If you look at the 2015 free agent class, it's one of the worst in recent memory. Mm-hmm. If you look especially at the forward group, uh, the forwards include Vermette, Fisher, Soderberg. Yeah. These are not franchise-altering names. Yeah. Probably the best name of the group is Martin St. Louis, and he's going to be 40. Right. Right? Um, Zuccarello. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, you, I mean, good player, but not going to be a guy you're going to bring in to change your franchise. So I'm wondering, dude, if this hasn't been the plan all along, that the Sharks are holding on to Joe Thornton and Patrick Marlowe, knowing that next summer, when teams are looking to make big moves, they've got the two biggest chips to put out there and play. Now, that's if the Sharks you know, aren't doing well. If they win a couple playoff rounds, they're not going to do Anything. Anything like that. Right. But if they don't, if they lose in the first round, which I think we expect, you know, we're not hoping for it, but we expect, or if they don't make it at all, which is possible, could Thornton or Marla won out at that point? Oh, man. Uh, I think that's a bigger question versus this 11-dimensional chess argument, you, argument you're making for Doug Wilson. How he's like so <laughs> smart and he's waiting for a bad bad at free agent season because the fact is that Patrick Marlowe and Joe Thornton hold all the cards here. They're the ones that get to choose they if do. they're going. And and not only do they get to choose if they're going, they get to choose where they're going because they could pull the Jerome Ginla and say, oh, I want to go to Boston. And then he's like, oh, no, now I want to go to Pittsburgh. And, and that's absolutely what could happen is maybe they have one destination that they're willing to go to and then the Sharks are able to get almost nothing. Right. For them, which is very possible, you know, because mm-hmm. with the no trade clause, Doug Wilson has little to no options, right? Right. But if it is in a situation where the those two players recognize for the first time that they're, they're not in the playoffs for the first time, yeah, you know, in a long time. That's right. They go, oh, oh, this is really happening. Like, we're really not going to do this. Maybe then they want out. I don't think they're going to want out at the deadline. I don't think that's going to happen. No, I don't either. And frankly, I don't think they're going to want out this summer, regardless of what happens. Mm-hmm. I think this this team is going to have to be, to use your term, totally balls for a season. You know, if this team is like, you know, they're basically out of the playoffs by January or February. They'll you know, never be that way. Next, ne- they will not be that way. Next year? No, they will never be that way as yeah. long. Because those guys, they're too good. That's true. It's they're stuck in neutral right now. Mm-hmm. They are stuck as a second tier team that doesn't have the upside to make a run out of it, like the New Jersey Devils did two years ago. Right. You know they they don't have or three yeah three years ago when the Devils made that run right three years ago yeah yeah they they don't have that that upside I don't think. Yeah, I don't know. It's a you know, and it's it's a family question. It's all these questions. I I, I don't see it happening this year. I think we agree on that. I I think it's going to have to be you know a major fall from grace by the Sharks for those guys to to consider it because I think they identify themselves as Sharks. You know, I mean that's and that's frankly a good thing as a fan. You don't want these guys to just be pure, uh, you know, cold blooded mercenaries willing to go anywhere for an extra dollar. Um, or a chance to win a cup. I mean, you know, you see these guys and and you identify them as sharks. And Joe Thornton's a Hall of Famer, and he's going to be there as a shark, and unless something really, really crazy happens. And it is, it's their right. They signed the contracts. Mm-hmm. They wanted to stay, and they don't have to go. You know, <laughs> they do not have to go. They're going to put, you know, their situation here over winning right. at this point. If you've got gold medals for your country, maybe that is enough. Yeah. You know, maybe mm-hmm. that's enough for these guys, you know, to just continue and the, to And the thing to is, it's here. not like it's a guarantee, right? Sure. I mean, let's say these guys go, oh, I will only get traded to Chicago. For one thing, that means Doug Wilson would have to work out a trade with Chicago, which may or may not happen. I mean, Chicago's like, hey, we'll give you Kyle, you know, we'll give you a Kyle Beach for yeah. Joe Thornton. No, yeah. and, and you're like, what? And then they don't agree. There's that possibility. And there's also the inevitable uh, Marion Hosa scenario where you get traded to the team, it goes to the finals and loses, and then you go to the other team, it goes to the finals and loses. <laughs> right? 
and then he eventually won it with Chicago, with Chicago. But, you know, it's certainly, you know, you see Jerome McGinley going all around and trying to win a cup. Didn't work out for him. So, you know, there it's not like it's a slam dunk. Oh, yeah, just trade me to the perfect contender, and then I'll just go and collect my ring in six weeks. You know, that's not necessarily going to happen. Actually, I want to jump back to um, back to Kevin, who had a, a separate question about Marlowe, now that we're on the uh, Marlowe and Jumbo parade here. Um you know, he says there's a divide between in Sharks fan land about how they see Marlowe. Half think he's washed up. The other half are still loyal to him and thinks he's got quite a bit left in the tank. After 20 games, not so hot. He, he still finds himself in the group that's loyal. And assuming he rides out his existing contract and the Sharks don't win a cup, do you think Marlowe will be the first Shark to get his jersey retired? He thinks it's a lock if they win the cup, but it's tough to say if they don't. What do you think, dude? You think they're going to raise the 12 to the rafters? Yes. Although he was 14 at one point, I think. Yes, I, I do think they will. Yeah, me too. I, I think it's already a done deal. You know, he's been here. He has every major record for the Sharks in terms of scoring and everything else. Um, I don't think that... I think a, a good argument could be made for Joe Thornton. I think probably you'd need more of some postseason success with Thornton because it, he... You know, he's not so much identified. I mean, obviously, he was drafted by the Bruins, played for the Bruins for like four or five years, five years, 2005, right? Mm-hmm. So seven years he was in Boston. Mm-hmm. So, but Marlowe's been here the whole time. I think I think it's very, almost for certain that Patrick Marlowe will be the first jersey raised to the rafters by the Sharks. Yeah, I can't think of who else it would be. Jeff Friesen? <laughs> I think that ship has sailed. I think we would have done that by now. Steve Shields? Yeah, it could happen. <laughs> Solani? <laughs> Brant We could have a two-hour ceremony. <laughs> oh, man. Brant Myers. Dude, uh, is I don't know if, if Burns is competing in the all-star star skills competition for fastest shot, Um, but uh, Mark is interested to know if he is in the hardest shot competition and how hard his shot truly is. What's your guess for speed? He's saying he breaks 100 miles per hour. Absolutely. I'm going to take the under on that Dude. one. Yeah. No, he's got a really hard shot. And I think part of what, what his shot is, is I think he's got a very a very good release. And that's what makes this, the shot sort of seem heavier. It's not this like huge windup. If you go back and look at the video of, say, like Zidane Char breaking the record, you know, he's like 105 or something. He takes, you know, you got to take this like monster backswing and just pound it. And I don't think Burns has exactly that kind of shot. I don't think he would break 100 miles an hour. That's not to say he doesn't have a an awesome shot. I mean, he would certainly saying be he's soft well into the 90s saying he's soft. Dude? No, I'm just saying His that shot uh, is soft. No, I'm just saying that he's uh, a wimp. I don't think he's going to go over 100. I think it's harder than you think to do that. Do you have the all you in your copious notes, dude? Do you know if Burns is uh, playing in the hardest shot competition? I don't. Okay, that's good preparation. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> it happens. All right, dude. Do you have uh, what else you got in those notes of yours? Uh, dude, uh, let's talk about the Wooshta Sharks oh, yeah. moving to San Jose, dude. It was broke by our friend of the podcast, Mr. Mark Purdy. That uh, through reliable sources, he has come to the knowledge that the Worcester Sharks will leave the Boston area and move to San Jose. And not only move to San Jose, dude, mm-hmm. but share the SAP Center with the San Jose Sharks next season, dude. That's cool. You excited? I am excited, actually. Are you concerned that the Bay Area or the San Jose area will be able to support to hockey franchises or does it not matter because the San Jose Sharks will just subsidize the the San Jose Sharks? <laughs> <laughs> Clearly they're going to have to change their name too. The San Jose other sharks. Uh I don't know. Um I don't necessarily think it's going to hurt the NHL team because just the quality of hockey is better and the reason why some people go to the games is both to see the sharks, but also to see the opposition. I'm, I mean, you know, I'm excited to see, you know, some of these games coming up, you know, Chicago and things like that, because you're playing a really good team with some really good players on it. And, you know, you're not going to go and necessarily say, I'm going to go to a, you know, a minor sharks game. So I can see Eric Boganicki, you know, <laughs> it's like, you know, cause when we play Wilkesbury Scranton or whoever, <laughs> you know, not that Eric Boganicki's in the league anymore, but just for instance, um, 
Tori Krug. Yeah. No, I said no, no. Tori, no, Jason Krug. Jason Krug. Yeah. Uh, Jason Krug. Yeah. He was the uh, the Crash Davis <laughs> of the minor right. leagues. He was. Of hockey. Anyway. Um, Rob Davis. <laughs> I, I don't think so. I, I think it might peel some people off because the, t- the, the tickets are going to be cheap. Like the right. tickets are going to be a lot cheaper. And I think that could certainly peel off uh, some of the fans. But also, you know, if there's a lot of people that, you know, for instance, I have I have friends that want to go see Sharks games, but, you know, they're not super excited at, at some of these ticket prices. So it might be some of these overflow fans or fans that aren't necessarily willing to commit to $50 a seat that are willing to pay 20 bucks or 15 bucks or whatever the seat prices are and go and get uh, interested in the... In the Junior Sharks or whatever, I don't know, what are we calling them? The Mini Sharks. Oh, they're going to have to change their name. Yeah. It'll be the the San Jose... The Tiger, the tiger Sharks. No, I don't think it'll be Sharks anything. It's going to have to be Sharks something. No. Yeah, it's going to have to be. The Hammerheads. You want to bet? Hammerheads. Yeah, it could be something like that. It could be like the uh, the Ludafisks. <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna be it's gonna be some sort of sardines like, yeah it's gonna be some sort of like shark or an, or like sea animal the thing. san jose sea cucumbers <laughs> <laughs> i can only imagine the logo but actually the san jose squidding the other thing i the other thing i like about it is it kind of gives us a backup plan so if the sharks happen to be terrible next year then we can go and just watch the sea cucumbers instead <laughs> the sea cucumbers <laughs> <laughs> I think San, there should be the San Jose algae, <laughs> the kelp. Yeah, the kelp. Yeah, there could be lots of good names for this. What's the what? What's the, the stuff that the that whales eat? Krill. The krill. <laughs> plankton. Yeah, plankton. Oh man. Yeah, we could have a lot of fun with that. I wonder. I wonder if they're going to open up the name to like a survey. Like oh, I a, hope so. That would be cool. Well, we'll definitely nominate the San Jose dudes. Yeah. How about that? Yeah, that'd be cool. And then you could be the guy in the dude suit. Yeah. I would run around in the dude suit. You would? Yeah, I would. What would the dude suit look like? It would be look like me. It'd be a <laughs> giant head of me. It's just come, you're... And it would just say dude on it. And everybody, I would stand up. They would skate out of my face. <laughs> that would be amazing. And then everybody, when they score, everyone would go, yeah. yeah. And then when the other team scores, you would hear, down. And then it's like, oh. Dude. <laughs> when the other team the other scores. The other team scores. Yeah. Goal by Eric Boganecki. <laughs> Dude. Dude. <laughs> that would That's be a good. great Dude, idea. Dude, and I think we know what the uh, music would be yeah. as they're skating out of the dude head. Is that that it? Is that what you're thinking? Yeah, I think that too. Anyway, uh, that's, that's right. right. Anyway, in time. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm I'm actually excited about minor league hockey. I, I think it's cool. I'm excited I, too. I the thing actually that gave me a little bit more hope is you know since the Bulls, the San Francisco Bulls experiment failed so miserably, I am a little scared that the same thing could happen in San Jose. But the way Purdy put it is that. San Jose is probably not going to be the final destination. It could be someplace like Sacramento or someplace else in the either the greater Bay area or in the surrounding areas, you know, like a Fresno Bakersfield, things like that. And that would certainly make it a lot easier for the sharks to, to send people down and bring them back, you know, flights and time zones and things like that. So I'm definitely excited. I, I, I have to admit one of the first things I thought of is I was thinking of our, uh, our internet friends at, uh, at sharks page who follow the worcester sharks so closely and those poor bastards are getting crapped on again by the worcester sharks <laughs> i just i gotta say that just that would suck that would suck well dude i feel another jersey purchase in my future and maybe yeah. it will be a uh san jose sea cumber sea cucumber tomash hurdle jersey that would be cool so i want to talk about this yeah over the All-Star break, dude, the Sharks, as they normally do, they send down a few of the guys who aren't really playing, some of the younger players, to go to Worcester and maybe get a few games in. And included in that group this year was Tomas Hurdle, dude. And Barkley Goudreau. Barkley Goudreau, who I can understand that a little he, bit He doesn't more. play a lot. He doesn't play a lot, and he's also not one of the guys who's on the website as the future of the team. <laughs> and so instead, I, think, I think you're tipping your hand here, dude. 
Bar- I'm looking at Barkley Goodrow's minutes. 12-23, that's fairly respectable, actually, in 31 games average. Um, But if we look at Dimash Hurdle, it's almost 15 minutes in every game. Uh, 48 games, that is. So, uh, needless to say, it sounds like you are not for this move. No, I think it's stupid. I really <laughs> think it's stupid. Yeah. Like, I know he's not had a great year. You know, he really hasn't. So making him fly across the country when he could be getting some rest and playing in like two or one minor league games where some Yahoo could take a run at him. He's already coming off of major knee surgery. And then you make him fly all the way back across the country after that and then play against the Ducks where you're going to need him to play 14, 15 minutes, maybe more because Wingles is out. I'm pissed. I, I think it's stupid and ignorant actually of the Sharks and disrespectful I think to Tomas Hurdle unless he wanted to go he's got friends in Worcester he wants to go hang out with I I somehow doubt it right uh, unless this is just a paper move which they've done before mm-hmm. if this is really just a paper move and they're moving his salary off but why they're I don't not know close to, to the cap I don't know just to save some money I guess I mean maybe they're doing that I mean that's possible I guess but if it's real if he really is in Worcester right now and he's going to play tonight or this weekend, I heard he's playing. I heard there's games tonight and tomorrow night. I'm going to be very disappointed if that's the case, uh, and and I think that's a big mistake by Doug Wilson. Frankly, the only plus I, I agree with you for the most part. The 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 plus side is, um. I don't know how much of his game lately and the coaches and the GM would have a better feel for this certainly than I do. You know, they've talked about Hurdle having a, a lack of confidence at times when he's gone sort of into this funk and he hasn't been scoring a whole lot. And maybe they're doing it to have him go down and see if he has some good games against admittedly inferior competition and see if he can build some of that confidence up. I'm not necessarily opposed to that. Two games? Yeah. Listen, if he's struggling, let him go down there. For two or three weeks. Yeah. Right. You know what I mean? Sharks and, can't afford that right now with all the injuries, though. And this is a, going into, uh, I think, the last thing I want to talk about today, dude, is Drew Remenda. Mm-hmm. Now uh, one of the voices of the Edmonton Oilers uh, who are... Actually, he's covering the Oilers. Right. Not, I mean, he's not officially the voice of the Edmonton Oilers, right? He works for uh, the Sports Rogers Net. or whatever, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, so he's not like a color guy like he was with the Sharks. Right. And... Uh, they were talking about, you know, first thing Tolbert's asking him, of course, is, you know, how awful the Oilers are. And he calls the uh, the the Edmonton versus Buffalo game that is happening next week the dishonor for Connor game. Which I think <laughs> was, was really, really funny. And it was one of those things that just makes you miss Drew so yeah, much. Yeah, you know what I mean, yeah. I, don't, don't, I think Jamie Baker is doing a good job. But uh, oh, me too. You know, <laughs> that kind of stuff. uh is what kind of sets true apart for me. But anyways, yeah. uh, he compared, and this is going to make you throw up a little bit in your mouth. Ooh. He compared the Sharks' situation right now, if you had a crystal ball and you could look forward to what the New Jersey Devils are in. Yeah. It, it, and we just talked about it. Well, I mean, it does make me want to throw up in my mouth. I'm That's our future. It, it, if you look at them and you go, he was like, Lou Lamorello is so stubborn. He is like... He can't seem to see any other way than his way. And, you know, he's like, I'm surprised he's not down there coaching the team. Right. You know, and... Yeah, you look at this team. It's it's riddled with these guys that are basically at, or in some cases, past the end of their careers. You know, you, I mean, Yager obviously is like the ageless wonder. He's like Solani, right? The guy's, the guy's great, but he still only has 25 points and he's second on the team. Yager, Camilleri, Patrick Elias, we talked about before. Merrick Jeliski is certainly no spring chicken. The team is they're terrible. Scott That's Gomez, a terrible, terrible team. Martin Havlat, right? You got none of these. They don't seem to have this. You know, Stephen Gianta is still on the team for God's sakes. Dinah Zubra. That team is in. They're they're in critical condition because their best players are older. They have some okay young defensive talent, but other than that, they don't have anything, and they aren't at the point where they're in the Connor McDavid sweepstakes because they're probably going to be just good enough to finish with like the ninth or 10th pick, which doesn't help them. 
Right. That's not going to help them. They're just good enough. With those veteran players, they'll probably add somebody delusionally, <laughs> you know, to try and make some sort of run. Right? They're far out. Dude, they're far out, but you know they're what I mean? Out. They're not going to make a move uh, here. So they're going to have the fifth or sixth pick. I don't even know if that's good enough to help them. Yeah. You know? Right. And, and and to hear Drew talk about that, he said it's a cautionary tale for Sharks fans. The that, New Jersey Devils are a cautionary tale. Little, yeah, that's what he says. You know, yeah. and I think he's right. And, you know, that the other thing that he talked about was that, you know, the Sharks, he said the the teams that have the most success are the teams that let their younger players play at the AHL level until they have achieved some level of accomplishment and then bring them up. And you look at how the Sharks are, that's not happening. Right. You know, they are playing their young players at the NHL level, like Hurdle, like Nieto, before they have had a chance to, I think he called it, ripen on the vine. Mm-hmm. And that's not happening. No, it's right? not. And um, and we're seeing the the downside of that after two great rookie years. Nieto and Hurdle have regressed significantly. I mean, Hurdle is, looks like not even close to the guy who was playing with flashy confidence last year. It's and true. so it's, it's, it's frustrating. And I see you're pulling up the Detroit Red Wings page and he cited them as the perfect model for how to have a franchise. Yeah. Gustav Nyquist. Guess how old Gustav Nyquist is, dude. I mean, no one had heard of this guy before maybe last season. 24. He's 25. So, and, but how many games has he played at the AHL level? Oh, right. I don't think I mean, I'm, yeah, yeah a we lot. can't look at that right now, but a lot. Okay. You look at Riley Sheehan. Okay. Danny DeKaiser, I don't think did, but, um, Thomas Jerko, uh, Tatar. I mean, th- those guys, they played, I think quite a bit. Kindle at the, at the AHL level. Mm-hmm. And they had the luxury of being able to do that, of being able to let these guys sit and develop and play earn a spot on this roster instead of the situation the sharks are in where they're sort of throwing darts and hoping you hit a milker carlson and most of the time you get a freddie hamilton which turns out to be apparently right now a zero Mm -hmm. and so obviously drew put the oilers into the Ladder into the he first. He didn't camp. really get that into that, but I mean that's clearly well, what the Oilers have done, right? I mean they brought uh, of everybody up. I mean they're the model of the absolute worst way to do it. Right? They draft these number one picks. They're all together. They have no veteran leadership, and you've got a bunch of kids running around, expected to know how to win. They have no clue how to do it. Right? And they're all failing. They don't together. have any models of, you know, a, a lot of guys. You know, you see these guys. They say like, oh. You know, for instance, you know, Joe Pavelski, you know, people say, you know, Joe Pavelski does it right. The guy eats right. The guy works out right. He's always, you know, he's the first on the ice and the last to leave. You know, obviously not everybody can be the first and the first on the ice and the last to leave. But, you know, he works on his game all the time. And if you've got a team like the Oilers and you got these guys who are scoring 200 points in junior, maybe they're not doing that. You know, they don't have to do that kind of stuff. And I think you're right. You do need guys like that to say, you know, this is the required commitment level to be good at the NHL level. And I think a lot of these guys don't necessarily have it. And and maybe in the case of of a guy like Tomas Hurdle, it's just too much too fast. You know, maybe it's not that the guy can't do it. It's not that he won't do it. It's just, it's too much too fast. Yeah, he didn't ripen on the vine. I, you know, it's an interesting analogy. I, God, I hope he's wrong. But, you know, given the way the Sharks are going right now, it's hard to dispute it. Whoa. So moving forward, dude, uh, Yep. The Sharks are a playoff team as it sits today. They yep. would have home ice as it sits today. Yeah. So if the season ended today and the Sharks were the second seed and hosted Vancouver, mm-hmm. let me take the other side of this argument, dude. Isn't that exactly what we talked about in terms of being the best possible path? It certainly is. So if the Sharks can somehow manage to hold on with Wingles and Braun out for weeks, hold on to the second spot in the Pacific and pray to God that the Kings are not the third. Right. And that it's Vancouver. Then are they lined up for the best possible position to maybe go through Vancouver, then maybe the Ducks, and then you hope that someone's gotten rid of St. Louis and Chicago. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, you're right. That is the best possible position. And right now they are in it. Um, I'm not counting LA out by by any means, but you're right. If if the if the cards do fall right and the Sharks get the current draw as we see it, which is LA out of it actually. Now they've got three games in hand on Vancouver, which I think is important to remember as we look here. Vancouver's played forty five games, the Sharks have played forty eight. Right. And they're only a point behind. So odds are, you know, Vancouver's gonna get pick up a point or two in there. But mm-hmm. even so, if they can somehow hang on to two, is there any scenario where you see the Sharks adding at the deadline? Still no, right? No, still no. Still no. Sure. They're in the they're in the dream scenario. But won't he be today. tempted? Don't you think he'll be tempted if they're sitting at two? He's not going to be tempted. No, I don't think so. It would be the wrong move. I would, like to, I would like to. I would like to believe move. that he would look at it, you know, through, you know, serious uh, non-rose-colored glasses and say, "Listen, you know, we just haven't been able to compete with Chicago and St. Louis right now, and adding another piece would just further delay the already admitted plan to go to the young guys." I don't think he's going to do it. I really hope he's not going to do it. And maybe I'm ascribing too much to Doug Wilson, but he said that's the plan. I'm hoping he's, <laughs> it's his stupid plan. It's his stupid he plan. He said a lot of stuff in the last I know. Uh, nine months. <laughs> he said a lot of stuff. I know. I know. Dude, what do you, was the, did the Adam Burrish like waving controversy with Doug Wilson? Oh, and- yeah. Gosh. Yeah. We got to talk about that. So James Myrtle, right. You know, uh, wrote Who's a, a piece. He's a beat writer for Toronto. And he writes for the Globe and Mail, which is a big paper in Canada. He wrote a piece basically saying that uh, Adam Burrish found out that he was being waived and sent to Worcester from Joe Pavelski and not from the San Jose Sharks organization. Part Mm -hmm. two of that statement was that Tom McClellan was opposed to getting rid of Adam Burrish, wanted to play Adam Burrish, and was not on board for having him not on the team. Part three of that was that he wrote that McClellan and Doug Wilson are at odds right now, right. not on the same page, and not getting along. Right, right. So, so what do you make of all this? Well, the Burrish part apparently was dis- was disputed and discarded because I guess the story when he told Burrish's agent and then Burrish's agent told him. Okay, so that part of the story... And I guess- both, and the agent and Doug Wilson are on record for that. Right. So I guess that part of the story is no go. But apparently the the part and after that was brought to Myrtle's attention, he said, "Okay, that was the sort of the the flimsy part of the story." But he does stand behind the part that that T Mac and DW are not on the same page and they're not feuding. And then they came out with some sort of statement that says, "Yeah, we don't agree on everything, but that's just part of the deal," which I found somewhat persuasive because you know if you got two hockey minds in an organization. They're not going to necessarily agree on every single decision that's made by the other person, right? Yeah, I mean, that, that, that's th- impossible. I don't even think that's good. Yeah, you know, that's impossible. And and so you know, I, but it that could be true, and they could still hate each other. You know, <laughs> we don't know. And so it certainly ratcheted up uh, the likelihood, at least in his mind, that uh, the Sharks may not be retaining Tom McClellan after this year. You know, that that certainly seemed to be more likely if those guys are at odds than the. The GM might want to install somebody who's a little bit more friendly towards his vision. And we've seen how great that's worked yeah. in uh, some of these other teams. You know, Toronto has thrived since uh, getting rid of Randy Carlisle. <laughs> you know, oh uh, we've God. seen uh, Ottawa completely turn it around. And uh, and New Jersey is definitely fixed uh, since getting rid of uh, Peter DeBoer. So, I mean, the Toronto situation is the most embarrassing of all. Uh, they're even they've gotten worse i mean they are worse since that happened and uh that franchise is a bit of a is a bit of a joke right now i I think so they're they're definitely a joke and they're in an even worse situation contractually than the sharks because i mean their two albatrosses are fanuff and kessel and i don't think anybody else would want them you forgot about clarkson well, <laughs> there's him too, right? That's even, that may be But even, even at least Clarkson, I think, is known to be a decent person. That's true. Right? Yeah. 
you know, FNAF and Kessel are sort of known as garbage on skates. Yeah, yeah. You know, and and one thing that's so interesting is hearing uh, the guys on Hockey Central talk about, and we didn't talk about this either. Joe Thornton on a dump in fired the puck at Dion FNAF. Oh, really? At him intentionally, <laughs> and the guys on Hockey Central who are based in Toronto, FNAF did nothing. And they were all over him the next game. He's like, what are you doing? Like, this guy, he could have dumped it around you. He fired it at you. And he says, first of all, that says that Joe Thornton has no respect for you whatsoever. If he did that intentionally, he thinks you're a douchebag. You know? (laughs) You only do that if someone thinks you're a douchebag, you know? And he didn't do anything. So then it happened again, apparently, against Carolina when the Leafs lost at home to Carolina. I think they got blanked. By Carolina, or lost like three one or something. I think Jordan Stahl fired the puck at Fanuff again, and then Fanuff like finally tried to do something about it, and then Eric Stahl fought him. Oh really, Eric Stahl? <laughs> That's weird. It is weird. And so you know, again, now they're all over him again. They're like, you know, Fanuff, you're you're such a wiener. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's your captain. Yeah, yeah. Your captain carries so much respect. Right. Right. I, Anyways, yeah. What a joke, man. Yeah. That's a bad news. So I guess we can expect to see both those guys here anytime. <laughs> <laughs> Could be worse, Sharks fans. That's the that's the uh, yeah. That's the, I, it's that's funny. The I mean, dude, and and we'll, maybe we'll end with this. Is uh, we're sitting here. Most of today's pos- podcast hasn't exactly been positive, because I I don't I don't feel. Especially with the Wingles and Braun injury, it's hard to feel positive moving forward about this team in the next couple of weeks. I, I don't think it's going to go well. Like I think we're really going to we don't not deep enough to absorb that. Mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. I think we we're able to pull it off for one game, but against the Ducks and Blackhawks, it's going to be a very very tough challenge. But the Sharks are still there in the playoffs, dude, and <laughs> they know. have a home ice seed right now. Right. So, it's uh, not do we all... need to lighten up, dude? Uh, I'll. Ask me again next week after we play Anaheim and Chicago because I think that's going to be yet another litmus test, one in a long series of them. Uh, they didn't do so well in the last litmus test where they should have beaten some bad teams. Can they rebound and do what they have done surprisingly all throughout the season, which is beat good teams? I guess we're going to find out. They've got two tests coming up. I, I suspect a win versus the Ducks, a win versus Chicago, and a 7 nothing loss to the Oilers. <laughs> Sounds good, dude. Talk to you after that happens. All right, dude. Bye. Hate the show? Want to get your questions on the air? Email questions at dudesonhockey.com. Dudes on Hockey is not affiliated with the San Jose Sharks organization or the National Hockey League.